Hi, my name is Gina, and welcome to Letters to My Daughters podcast. If you're new, I just want to welcome you, and if you're returning, thanks for coming back. Today, I am going to get into a topic that I personally struggle with, and I'm sharing this story because I learned from it and hope maybe you will too. My husband used to work with a middle-aged man named Doug. Doug had a tendency to call my husband a lot, but he didn't talk a whole lot about work. Instead, he would ramble about his sexual conquests, bragging about the 21-year-old girls he would meet at bars and subsequently sleep with. My husband works remotely, so I overheard a lot of these conversations, and I immediately labeled Doug as a pervert, scumbag, and someone that I would not allow my family to associate with. When we moved across country, Doug invited us over to his house for a barbecue and generously made us a beautiful steak dinner, but I felt so repulsed by the comments he had previously made that I couldn't really allow myself to enjoy the party. Week after week, Doug invited my husband to hang out. Sometimes he wanted to go fishing, sometimes for dinner, and sometimes to strip clubs. He really wanted to hang out with my husband. We thought it was strange that a middle-aged man would want to hang out with a married Christian man half his age, and week after week my husband and I turned him down when he invited us out. Over the course of three years, we were invited out almost weekly by Doug, and in those three years we only socially interacted with him once. My husband would hang up the phone after talking to him, and I would exclaim my disgust for Doug, the man I thought was a degenerate not worthy of our time. All the while, we went to church. We established our family, and we built our good Christian lives. Well, about a year ago, Doug left the company. I was so relieved that we would no longer endure his invitations and lewd stories. But within weeks, Doug was dead. He died alone of congestive heart failure. He was a closet alcoholic. And suddenly, all of those years of phone calls, invitations out, and stories that largely sounded made up looked like a giant cry for help. In Titus 3, 1-7, we are told, Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, and to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I absolutely defied God's calling for my life through the judgment I passed on Doug. And it was easy to feel justified in this judgment, because it was work-related and unprofessional because I have impressionable young daughters that I want to protect from predatory men, because I found it distasteful, and because it hit a little too close to home. 
I have lived a life of sin, a life of drunkenness, a life of premarital sex and sexual immorality. I have been guilty. I still am guilty. And yet, as I turn to Jesus, to the Bible for instruction and have been saved, I fail time and time again. There is a verse in Jude that has stayed with me. It is found in Jude 1, 22-23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Doug was waist-deep in fire, and his cries for help went unheeded. Why would a man twice our age, with different priorities and a different lifestyle, so persistently reach out? Because being in Christ sets us apart, and not in the way that makes us cool or exclusive or elite, but in the way that means there is hope. In John 21:15-25, Jesus is talking to Peter, and this is after Peter has denied Jesus three times, after Jesus died and was resurrected. Jesus is asking Peter repeatedly if Peter loves him, and he repeatedly replies that he does. Jesus tells him, If you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. We, humanity, are his flock. When one of us strays, he chases us down. But that's such a lonely image, a lost, confused lamb being pursued spiritually, at times unable to feel the connection they have to their maker. Imagine what life would be like for that lost lamb if other sheep noticed it was missing and set out to bring it back. I'm not saying that we can replace God in this scenario, or that we could do a better job than God, but I believe that it is our duty as Christ followers to emulate Jesus, and if Jesus would chase us down, seek us out, and find us, why wouldn't we do the same for one another? My husband and I had an opportunity to snatch Doug from the fire, to invite him to church, to encourage him to work through the hang-ups he had that led to his drinking, storytelling, and sexually impure behaviors. We had the chance to make sure that he wasn't alone. The red flags, warning signs, and alarm bells were all there. I personally led us into judgment, and because of that, we missed an opportunity to help. I would like to say that I will never allow that to happen again, but I also know my own tendency to judge others. I'm a work in progress, flawed and imperfect, human in all my ways. But I will remember the words of Jesus after Peter really messed up, denying he ever knew Jesus. Feed my sheep. I will feed your sheep. I will try to notice when they wander, and I will do everything I can to bring them home. I will leave you with this story from Matthew 25, 31-46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me, then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share and please leave a review. If you want to connect with me, you can email me at questions.letterstomydaughters at gmail.com. I am praying for you and hope you have a blessed week.